Hello and welcome to the latest in our fortnightly Fund Fan podcast brought to you by the Interactive Investor with Money Observer and MoneyWise magazines. I'm Faith Glasgow, the editor of Money Observer, and with me today I've got Deputy Editor Carl Caldwell. We've also got a couple of guests. One is our colleague, Nina Kelly, who has recently started out as an investor, and she's going to tell us a bit about the experience. The other is Moira O'Neill, the Head of Personal Finance at Interactive Investor, who's been giving some thought recently to an enduring question for long-term investors. What's the right number of funds for a fund portfolio? To kick off with, though, let's turn to some of the most newsworthy investment topics of the past fortnight. And as you'd expect, market volatility is right up there, with leading market swings of three, four, five percent or considerably more now becoming par for the course. And even the eye-watering sums being promised by the Treasury and the US Federal Reserve doing really very little to calm the waters. So, Kyle, you've been talking to a number of fund managers and getting the measure of their perspectives on the current situation. Do you get the impression that they are preparing to venture back into the market to pick up some of the undoubted bargains that uh, are now kicking around there? Are they seeing buying opportunities? Well, on the whole, Faith, they seem to be um, keeping their cards close to their chest. They seem quite cautious. I mean, now, of course, this perhaps stems from the um, seriousness of the situation. So given thousands of lives have been lost, and um, fund managers will obviously not want to appear callous by describing such market falls as a chance to load up on cheaper shares. But it could also be a reflection that with this sell-off, there, um, there indeed could be more pain to come. I mean, a couple mm. of um, comments have come from fund managers such as uh, Paul Niven, fund manager of the FNC Investment Trust, who um, has acknowledged that, you know, we cannot tell when the current crisis will end. And similarly, another fund manager, um, Simon Gergel, who's manager of the Merchants Trust, he's also similarly noted that the overall market direction is hard to call. There could be a a very sharp recovery at some point. I mean, we've already seen this happening at the beginning of this this week, uh, 24th of March. The FTSE produced its second best day of ever, having closed up 9.1%. That's true, Faith. And this was something Simon Gergel acknowledged a couple of days before um, the FTSE 100 um, recorded its second best ever daily return, which was on the 24th of March. He noted for that that, yeah, of course, there could be a very sharp recovery at some point. Indeed, you know, markets, he acknowledged, tend to move well before fundamentals improve. But he also made the point that, you know, this could go on for many months and have lasting consequences. And because of that, he said he's um, he's trying to add value from, you know, from the, the stocks that he holds in the portfolio rather than calling when this pandemic will get under control and when markets will recover. Paul Niven, full manager of the FNC Investment Trust, makes very similar points as well. He said he's closely monitoring the spread of the coronavirus and hoping that a moderation in the pace of new cases in China and some European countries may indicate that um, containment measures are effective. But obviously, if cases do not moderate, then the likelihood is markets will tumble further. And that was me, by the way. Let's um, just said that rather than Paul Niven. But um, I think that is a fair thing to say. A similar caution was the order of the day when I spoke to Alistair McKinnon of Scottish Investment Trust a couple of days ago. He described himself as bearish as an equity fund can be at the moment. But he did say that he sees great opportunities down the line, particularly for value investors like him. He pointed out value stocks have been priced for recession for a while, or certainly since the beginning of the year. And he reckons that the the massive fiscal and monetary stimuli 
when they do take effect, will really give them uh, an enormous boost. But he's got no idea when that might happen. In the meantime, though, many investment trust discounts have widened dramatically, with share prices falling in, in many cases much further than the value of their underlying holdings as investors have sprinted for the exits. Uh, so, Kyle, discounts, what have you been noticing? Yeah, as you mentioned, Faith, the discounts have widened across the board. The average investment trust discount earlier this week for all investment trusts became wider than it was during the financial crisis. At its widest, the average investment trust discount hit 17.6%, um, which was at the end of 2008. And earlier this week, it was at um, 18.4%. Um, right. So obviously that, that is wider than it, than it was um, nearly 12 years ago now. It's even spread to um, investment trusts that typically trade on on a small premium that are now trading on discounts, and those include uh, Monks, Murray International, Smithson Investment Trust, and Finsby Growth and Income. So there's potentially a lot of bargains around for, for the brave, brave investors that are willing to buy at these very, very uncertain times. Yes, um, I think the key word is obviously potentially, because discounts could widen further, especially if markets um, you know, continue to fall. But this is one of the uh, beauties of investment trusts. But the fact is that they, they give investors the opportunity to, um, to purchase a portfolio for less than the sum of its parts. Of course, um, um, one sector where the discounts have widened most dramatically is the investment trust property sector. On the 20th of February, just before markets plunged, the average commercial property trust discount stood at 3.2%, according to, to Winterflood, the broker. But uh, a month later, the um, I mean, this is after all, all the tumult of the of global markets, uh, discounts in the sector have widened to more than 30 percent. They were actually down to 34 um, percent back on the 24th of March. Yes, indeed. Although it's been um, the open end of property funds that have been hogging uh, most of the limelight um, because there's been a string of um, fund suspensions in the past um, 10 days or so, including those funds run by Janus Henderson, Keynes, Fred Needle and Aviva. Um, the suspensions have been put in place following an increase in investor selling and also the challenges in accurately pricing properties at this moment in time, which is an issue for the entire property investment sector. Most fund groups have said that it's been the latter. It's um, it's been it's been more the difficulties in accurately pricing properties rather than there being a huge amount of um, investors selling. Um, but in any case, um, investors' cash has been locked in the funds, so they cannot sell their holdings until those funds um, reopen. Investment trust investors, on the other hand, um, have seemed to have rushed to the exit because um, share prices have fell heavily over the past month, causing discounts to widen. This is the trade-off with investment trusts. They'll, they'll never put suspensions in place um, owing to the differences in their structure compared with open-ended funds. But obviously in times such as these, um, they can leave investors nursing notable short-term losses during you know, such extreme periods that we're in at the moment. Uh, the suspensions in open-ended funds, I guess, add fuel to the fire of, of critics of open-ended commercial property funds who argue that the uh, the mismatch between daily liquidity and the ability of funds to sell their assets to redeem investors makes the structure just really not appropriate for retail investors. Um, in fact, there's there's been an update on this from the 
Financial Conduct Authority. Can you tell us what was what was said there? Well, the Financial Conduct Authority they proposed two measures uh, to address the liquidity problems faced by open-ended funds that hold illiquid investments. The, the proposals were in a speech that were made, funnily enough, a couple of days after um, a lot of these open-ended property funds um, put suspensions in place um, around 10 days ago. And what the Financial Conduct Authority has come up with is um, either the introduction of swing pricing or notice periods. So under swing pricing, this will effectively be, be um, an exit penalty will be imposed to deter investors from selling during periods of market stress, while uh, notice periods will give property funds more, more time to facilitate uh, redemption requests. For instance, at the moment, if you, um, if you want to sell a property fund, it's, it's daily dealing. So um, you should be able to sell within that day. Proposal under um, these, this, this notice period suggestion will give full managers more time to um, to facilitate uh, redemption requests. Perhaps it could be weekly or monthly, um, and that'll allow them that'll, that'll give them more time to um, to, to price and execute um, redemption requests. So we will just have to. Um watch this space to see what uh, they decide, if anything, in the end. Well, the market volatility has been really bad for all investors, or most of investors anyway. But for beginning investors who have had to screw their courage right up to venture into the markets at all and buy their first fund, it must be a real baptism of fire. So I'd like to turn at this point to um, to Nina. You started as a regular investor um, last year, Nina, didn't you? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about which fund you're, you're investing into? Hi, Faith. Um, that's right. I opened my first stocks and shares ISA almost a year ago now, and I chose to invest in one fund from Vanguard's life strategy range, uh, specifically the 80% equity option. And for beginners who are listening, this is a multi-asset fund, so it has 80% exposure to global equities and 20% exposure to global bonds. I'm a regular saver and I make monthly contributions into my ISA, and I'm still doing that despite the coronavirus-related market turmoil. What kind of thoughts have you had about what's happened to its value? Have you, have you looked at it or taken any action? I can't tell you how much the fund is down in percentage terms because I honestly haven't looked. And the reason being is that I know it will have fallen off a cliff edge because of all the stock market volatility owing to the pandemic. So I've avoided checking it. Unlike people who are on the eve of retirement, I'm incredibly lucky to have years for this fund to recover. And I'm not planning on taking any action because of this. It's also been a long-term investment for me, and that's very much how I think about it. I also accept that markets go up and down, and I don't want to pull the money out because it means the losses will actually become real rather than just being losses on paper at the moment. I'm also very fortunate in the current environment that I can continue working, and I don't need to pull the money out of my ISA to actually support myself. This is why it's so important to have a cash emergency fund in place so that hopefully people can afford to leave long-term investments alone when markets fall in situations like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the fact is that your regular contributions into your fund over the coming months of bear market are going to be buying an awful lot more units of investment than they would have done a year ago. And that's actually a massive strength for the growth of your fund going forward because it means that effectively you're launching what could be a 25 or 30 year um, investment career with a much larger base of investment units than you would otherwise have done. 
Exactly. I'm very lucky that I'm young enough to have time for this fund in my ISA to recover. And as you say, Faith, the current bear market environment means that I'm buying units in the Vanguard fund at a lower price. And the same goes for my workplace pensions too. This is the actually the brilliant thing about regular saving because now we'll all be benefiting from buying units of our pension fund at lower prices too. Yes, indeed, we will. Well, that's one uh, important silver lining to the thundercloud of recent market volatility, I guess. Thanks very much indeed with, um, to Nina for talking to us. Now, one question that crops up on a, re- a very regular basis for us at Money Observer is the question of how many funds is too many in a portfolio. On the one hand, we're constantly reminded to diversify across assets, geographical regions and different sizes of company. But after a certain point, diversification stops bringing benefits. Um, Moira, you've been thinking about this challenge for long-term fund investors. I'm wondering if you could possibly explain why holding too many funds is actually not a good idea. Well, Faith, I like to call this the concentration conundrum because I think it's a bit of a dilemma for investors, and particularly at this time of the year when people are looking at their portfolios and trying to work out what to put in and what to take out and uh, looking whether they're on track for their financial goals. I mean, diversification, so not putting all your eggs in one basket, is a really important um, tenet of investing, and it makes common sense because... By investing in a variety of assets, you're spreading your investment risk and you're increasing your exposure to um, more potential opportunities that could see your money grow. And of course, too much diversification can also be called diversification, and particularly in the sense of funds. If you take out too many funds, you end up with literally thousands of Uh, exposures to different stocks around the UK, potentially around the world. Um, And and if you're investing in actively managed funds, you're paying a bit more for this, but you could actually be creating what is really an expensive tracker fund. You could just have gone and bought um, uh, sort of all world or FTSE 100 tracker instead, which would cost you a lot less. And then on the other hand, we've got lots of examples of um, seasoned professional investors who are adamant that they can create a diversified portfolio from just um, 25 um, shares or stocks in companies. I think it's a bit of a dilemma. I mean, if you held 25 funds, which I expect many money observer readers, many other investors, and interactive investor customers too may be holding, um, you're not going to just have exposure to those 25. I think we need to all need to be thinking carefully about A, how much exposure we've got, and B, what is manageable. Every new fund or investment that you pick needs to a bit of monitoring. So if you're comfortable with managing um, 20 or 25 funds, fair enough, but not everybody is. So how can investors work out whether their portfolio is less efficient than it might be, do you think? Check what the underlying holdings are there um, within your portfolio and do that by just by looking at the top 10 holdings in each fund and seeing if there's any overlap there, because if you're holding a lot of for example, UK equity income funds, you may find 
there's a lot of duplication there. Um, you could also use a, a, some kind of screening tool. There's plenty of them out there um, to drill down and, and check what expo global exposure you have. And also, you could check for how much cash the fund managers are holding at the same time as well, because um, they may have it. They may, some may have high, some may have low. And also, think very carefully about the maths of monitoring your portfolio, because once you've got a fund that's only worth one percent of the, the total is it is it really worth holding that um could you think about cutting back i think even holdings that are worth two percent or less of your portfolio aren't adding much value and um, are just really another thing that you've got to monitor and, and check um and keep track of its performance in effect then the the um, maybe a right number of funds for investors with, say, £200,000 in, in their portfolios. There would be a, a sort of, a, a, if not a, a specific number, at least a, a ballpark figure of funds that would work best for them. And I suppose the question then is, if, if your portfolio grows to become, say, £400,000, do you just add more money into those same funds or do you start adding another fund here here and there or what happens as the, as, as the portfolio gets bigger basically I, I really don't think there are any right or wrong answers here because i put this mm. this question what is your number in terms of fund holders mm. out on social media recently and i got a lot of really interesting answers some people and i include professional financial advisors in this said one or two. I use passives for my clients and you only need uh, one globally diversified fund, whatever your size of your portfolio. Maybe some other, uh, some others said you could have one UK and one global fund. And then others just said, I, I easily do it with 10 and I've got a million pounds. I have to say, um, international investors model portfolios, we find we can get an adequate spread of assets with eight to ten funds, including investment trusts and ETFs, alongside funds when I say eight to ten. That's getting the asset classes it there. Now, some people might be worried about exposure to fund managers. You might think, oh, for each asset class, I'd like to use two different fund managers because just in case yeah. one of them has some human error there and um, I make sure that I am not overexposed to one particular professional and i think that's fair enough too mm. but as long as you've got a rationale for what you're doing with your portfolio i don't think there are any right or wrong answers i just think make sure you've not got too many funds so you, you, that you've got the time to manage properly what you have and that you're not um, creating a, a an expensive tracker fund and falling foul of diversification mm. not diversification so really, while there are no hard and fast, rule, uh, fast rules to, to follow, it does make sense to, to bear in mind the dangers of just adding new funds to your to your portfolio willy-nilly when you have the cash. Uh, yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and really, it's important to streamline and keep a sort of close monitoring eye on your, on your portfolio, really, as far as you can. Yeah, I mean, things like the, has the manager moved, has the fund underperformed its benchmark or its peer group, yeah, has the strategy yeah. changed? Uh, that That's not a particularly onerous check. That's worth putting in your diary, particularly at this time of year, just have mm. a, a check through. 
And, and again, you know, whittle, whittle things down as much as you can to make it manageable, I would be my advice. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a useful job to have when we're all self-isolating. Take the time to tidy up your portfolio. Thanks very much indeed for coming along to talk to us, Moira. That's all for this week, but we will um, speak to you again in a couple of weeks. Stay well and goodbye for now.